Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard. And if this is your first time, I'd like to welcome you. We're really glad you're here. Uh, wasn't worship good? Come on. That was pathetic. Yeah, thank, thank you. It's at least worth a... <clears throat> Yeah, uh, if you want to this morning, go ahead and open up your Bibles. I, I, I want to talk about very little, but the thing I want to talk about is kind of huge. Famous last preaching words. I want to talk about very little. It's going to be a nine-hour sermon, you all. <clears throat> open up your Bibles to uh, the book of Exodus. We're going to look at just a little bit of Scripture out of chapter 33. I want to talk about some of our core values here at the Vineyard. I want to talk about our number one value this morning. I want to talk about encountering the presence of God. We're going to look at just a few, few verses. Actually, we're just going to look at two verses in Exodus uh, 15 and 16. Everybody make it? All right, good deal. Um, before we really get into the scriptures, I want, to, I want to set it up by saying that our very number one value here at the Vineyard is, is encountering the presence of God. We've got a banner for it over here. We hang it against the wall. It's our, it's our number one value. Every other value that we have, worship, community, radical generosity, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, equipping the saints, all, all of those values and more flow out of the first value, which is encountering the presence of God. See, here's the deal. The presence of God can never remain just a theological construct. The presence of God has always, has always got to be a present reality among us. One of, the, one of the major issues in the church, not just now, but through the ages, is, is that the presence of God, or God himself, was limited to a theological construct that we could forget as soon as we closed the book. That can never be who God is. It can never be our experience of God. Our experience of God has to be real. It has to be tangible. It has to be felt. It has to be in the moment. We have to be presence people. It's our number one value here at the Vineyard. Without the presence of God, worship just becomes singing songs in a dark room. You know? And without the presence of God, community just becomes a who's who's, a, a who's who club. A who's who club. I speak for a living. Without, without the presence of God among us, worship, worship is just singing songs in a dark room. Community is just a clique. It's a who's who. It's a, it's a social gathering where we go to be seen so that we can make business deals. Without, without the presence of God, radical generosity is really just me serving my humanistic need to look good in front of other people. And all it ultimately ends up doing is building a sense of entitlement into people who, who receive it. And at the end of the day, we've done a lot of things that look good but lack the, lack the presence of His power. You know? It's, it's a big-time deal. And what's one of the things that we, we can never be here at the Vineyard, and I think at, at, for the most part, at least our heart posture has always, be, has always been, God, would you deliver us from a religion of outward works that is divorced from a very present reality, a felt reality, a tangible reality of your spirit and your presence among us. Like when God shows up, stuff happens, you know? And without the presence of God in the room, Without, when we get together with, without the presence of God, what we're left with is we're left with good ideas. And the person with the best ideas gets to lead. 
It looks like the Taj Mahal, but in the end, it's just a fancy prison. It's called religion. Looks like the Four Seasons. It's really a prison. That's life without the, the presence of the Spirit. She wanted to be here. She broke out of children's church and she almost made it and her parents made her go back. <clears throat> so what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about, I want to talk about encountering the presence of God. And um, some of you might be thinking, well, what do you mean when you talk about encountering the presence of God? What I mean is this, I mean living with an awareness that God is in the room. It's really simple. Living with an awareness that God is here. He's here, like right now. Um, He's he's with us. It's not just the 220 of us strangers. There's at least 221 of us here. And he's one of them. How many of you all realize that God was in the room during worship? You know? Something happens when we begin to turn our hearts to him. He begins to show up. It's a strange dynamic. He begins to show up, and at the same time, we become aware of his presence. I want to read you a piece of scripture. Before we get to our main one, I want to read you one piece of scripture out of Psalm, out of the Psalms that's really been with me this week. It's out of Psalm 139. It's verse 7 through 10. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it up on the big screen. Psalmist says, hey, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Where's God at? He's everywhere. Well, if he's everywhere, why isn't he around me? Anybody ever felt like that? What's the good of a theology that God is everywhere without the experience of the God who is everywhere? See, it's our number one value here at the Vineyard. I don't want to just be able to open up Psalm 139 and read some pretty verses without experiencing the God who is everywhere. There are three kinds of presence in the Scripture. I really don't want to get into this big time, but I, I, I do want to point this out. There are three kinds of presence in the Scripture. There's, there's God's omnipresence. He's everywhere. There's God's indwelling presence. John chapter 14 and chapter 15, he says, I'm going to come and live in you. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they live in you when you... When you turn your life over to Jesus, something comes on the inside. It's not just that sin leaves. That's important. The way more important thing is that someone comes to live on the inside. Most of evangelical Christianity has focused on what leaves, which is good. I'm glad it leaves. But the way more important thing is that God comes to stay. So there's omnipresence. God is everywhere. There's indwelling presence. John chapter 14. John chapter 15. And then there's manifest presence. And that's just so much better. We see it all through the scriptures. We see manifest presence. We had some of it here during worship this morning. That's what we want. It's what defines us. Why do we worship? Because we have manifest presence. If God is here, we have to respond. That's what I love about manifest presence. It, it initiates a response. That's what it means to be a believer. It's what it means to be a Christian. It means to have God call you out. You didn't go looking for God. He came looking for you. He called you out and then you responded. His presence shows up and I respond. The more his presence shows up, the more I'm able to respond. The more chances I have to respond. We're looking for presence. There's manifest presence. Um, If you remember through the scriptures, 
uh, when Solomon dedicated his temple. You guys remember that story? Solomon built, builds a temple for the Lord. David wasn't allowed to build it, but David took up the offering for him, and Solomon got to build it, and by the time they build this, this temple for the Lord, they, they've spent billions, okay? Billions in U.S. modern money, which is incredible. It was probably the most expensive building ever made. Like, nothing on the planet right now was as glorious as this temple. And then when they, de- they dedicated it, they brought in the priest, they brought everybody in, everyone was there, and they begin to dedicate to the Lord. And the Lord comes in and he fills this temple and he fills it in a cloud. And the cloud gets so thick that no one can do their work. They all have to fall down. They begin to sing this song. The Lord is good and his love, love endures forever. Manifest presence. Cloud in the room. Sticky weight, glory, heaviness. Mm, that's what we're going for. And by the way, that's normal. It, it's actually not normal to go to church and not experience some manifest presence. Like if you've gone to church your entire life and you've never experienced manifest presence, that's a problem. That's a problem. Because without manifest presence, we're left with a gospel that's just based upon guilt. I won't go there. Here's what I found about encountering the presence of God. There's omnipresence, there's indwelling presence. So I'm carrying him around everywhere. He's with me all the time. He's out here all the time. Then there's manifest presence when when the weight of his glory, that's what glory means, it's like weight, comes around. Um, and this is what I found about encountering the presence of God, moving into an encounter with the weight and the glory of God. I have found that when I turn my attention to him, when I quiet my heart and I begin to focus on him, I become more aware that he's already with me in the moment. Make sense? And some of you might be thinking, because some of you are really smart, you're thinking, well, Adam, you're just making it up. No, I'm not. I'm not making it up. I'm just telling you. And when we, as, we, as we allow ourselves to become more aware of the Lord, He becomes more present. Here's what I mean by that. God is a spirit, and He requires a different kind of sensitivity to be aware of Him. Okay? You've got eyes so that you can see. You've got ears so that you can hear. You've got hands so that you can work. You've got a tongue so that you can enjoy food. <clears throat> And in order to encounter the Lord, it requires a spirit connection. So you were actually made to know God from the very first moment in the garden when, when God fashioned Adam out of the dust and he brought him up face-to-face with him. It was this face-to-face encounter. People, everybody, believers or unbelievers, are all made to know God and we're made to know him by the Spirit. The problem is very few of us have spent any time, very few of us have been trained in any way that allows us to know when God is in the room. Very, very few of us have had our spirits trained in when God is present and when he's not present. And so he could be abundantly in the room and we might be completely unaware of it. If that's you, don't feel guilty. Just be like, okay, it's me and God help me. He will. I'll tell you sometimes when, um, I want to just tell you a few, a few stories about encountering the presence of God. We have so many stories about encountering the presence of God here at the Vineyard. I just want to tell you some of my favorite ones. Um, one of my favorite ones was about three and a half years ago, and several of you were in the room when this happened. Uh, you guys remember Garrett Gilkey? Y'all know Garrett? One of my very favorite. He doesn't live here anymore. He lives out in western Kentucky, and 
Hopefully one day he will return. That's all I can say. Um, I hate it when people leave, especially the ones I really like. <laughs> Garrett is one of them I really like. But anyway, I remember Garrett was setting about where Justin Borders is one Sunday morning, and worship was really good like it was this morning. And um, Garrett was the first one who became aware of this. But right in the middle of worship, uh, it was as though that weighty presence of God had come into the room. And it was, it was just heavier. You know, I, I usually, I'm over here, and I could, you know, feel it. And, but it wasn't just something that we felt in, on the inside of the heart. It, it became an aroma in the room. And Garrett announced, quite abruptly, I smell baking bread. Does anyone else smell baking bread? Sure enough, everyone in the middle section could smell baking bread. And it wasn't the donut, okay? There's a... There's, Michael can confirm. Michael's a baker. Michael can... Donuts have a smell. It is not bread. There was this aroma of baking bread that, that just filtered through the entire room during worship. When worship was over, the aroma left. I love that. What is that about? Well, it's just his way of saying, I'm here to feed everyone here. I'm here. Feast upon me. There's, there's food and there's life in my presence. Another time, this is earlier on in the vineyard. This is when we were at the, um, at the, at the old movie theater. Okay, so you guys, let me see. I don't even know how to describe to you how bad this place was. Okay, you, okay Green River Cinema 6, okay? Not that, like a hundred times worse than that. It was this dual cinema. It's not even a cinema anymore. It's up behind the fork bank. Um, it was, everything was black, okay? The walls were black, the ceiling was black. Oh, it was, it was, Ray, Ray coined it the USSR. It's like worshiping in the USSR. <laughs> like, people didn't come there. Like, if you came to the vineyard during those days, it's because you loved God. Like, it, it, was, it, it wasn't because anything else was, it wasn't cool. Like, like, Ray could preach the best sermon ever, and it's still, like, you had to come because you loved Jesus. It was that bad. But anyway, Danny Daniels, this incredibly old hippie of a guy, came to do worship. Um, you guys should check Danny Daniels out. He's a really great guy. He's an old-school vineyard guy, traveled with John Wimber. But he came to do worship one time with us. And I remember it was like on a Saturday night, and Danny had led worship, and it was really incredible. And, but this was, this was the, one of my favorite stories because it didn't happen during worship. Everyone, everyone had slowly left. And one of the other things I've realized about the presence of God, when the presence of God is really in the room, have you ever noticed no one wants to leave? Like I had to kick people out of the church last night. I, I literally had to tell them, you guys don't have to go home, but you've got to get out of here. We, like, had to, you know why? Because God was around. And when God's around, then all of our defenses come down and a lot of our offenses get laid to rest and we're able to fellowship with one another in love. When perfect love comes into the room, I'm able to fellowship in perfect love. That's why people don't want to leave when God shows up. Well, some people do, but that's a totally another story. But, but after worship, and we're just kind of hanging out with Danny Daniels, and no one really wanted to leave, and we were sitting in the really ugly black chairs there at the, uh, at the theater, and all of a sudden, and it was so suddenly, I, I was really taken by surprise, I never really experienced this, this, this perfume, this aroma, incredibly strong perfume, and it smelled like roses. I've never smelled to, to this day, I've never smelled anything like it. It was truly otherworldly. It, it was out of heaven. Uh, I, I grew up landscaping. I know what roses smell like. This was like roses, only more. And it was, it was all around Danny. It was around this guy. Like, you, get, you take steps away from him, you could smell it, but it was less. You go steps toward, and it was more. And we were like, Danny, did you put on 
rose perfume? <laughs> no, no. And he says, no. He goes, this has been, this has been with me since my, since my first traveling days with John Wimber. Occasionally when the Holy Spirit shows up, he'll show up around me and it's just, it's just his way of saying, I love you, Danny. Presence. We need, like, we need presence. That's changed me, okay? That's changed me. When you encounter the presence of God, if you've got a willing and open heart, you get changed. There's simple little things. You get changed. Um, about 18 months ago, I'm at home with Heather and some of our very, very best friends. And it's around Christmas time. It's me and Heather and Sammy and Tiffany. And I think Lucy was there. Lucy, were you there, all right? And, um, and Eric and Amanda. Just, you know, like my very best, some of my, some of my very best friends in the entire world. And we're, some. You're welcome. <laughs> he hates me. I knew it. He hates me. I wasn't there. Am I not your good friend? He hates me. Anyway, some of, some of my very best friends were around the, around the, the, on the couch with us, and it was really late. And it was, it's like my friends who have all, these are some of our best friends who have moved away, and we were just having this really sweet night. We had just really shared the Lord together. And then in typical Eric Hirchin fashion, he says, hey, we should definitely pray for one another. And we're like, yeah, sure. We began to pray for one another, and the power of God really just settled into the room. And everyone was really touched by the Spirit. But then it got way better because this wind started to blow on us. And it was, it was the, the coldest wind that didn't, co- I don't know, it, it was cold but didn't make you cold. I can't describe it. It was like this refreshing wind began to blow in the room. And then it started blowing in a circle. And there, it became a whirlwind around us. Now when I say whirlwind, I don't mean like tornado, like things were moving. But I mean this gentle breeze began to blow in a circle. And it began to blow all around us. And when we, when we stopped ministering to one another, it went away. It was so dynamic at one point, I, I thought, what is going on? I got up, out. Justin was there, I got up off of, the, off of the, the, the rug around our couch, and you could walk over into the bigger part of our living room, and you walk out of it. You could walk back, and you would walk into it. Presence of God. Presence. We, we need it. There's something in our, in our heart that needs to have fellowship with the Spirit. And we need to know that He's real. And He likes to tell people, I am here. He likes to reveal Himself. God is a revealing God. He, he, likes, he likes to show up in the room and He likes to do something new. He, he loves that. He, it's, it's core to who He is. Uh, when Moses was, you realize Moses was a goat herder. 80-year-old goat herder on the back of the desert, and God decides, I will set on a bush on fire and reveal myself to my servant Moses. At that point, Moses has no idea that he's, that he's God's servant. God loves to reveal himself. He loves to do something new. And his presence, we need, we need, a, we need an encounter with his presence. A- everyone in this room needs a burning bush experience. That wasn't just for Moses. That's w- that was for me and you. And when we read it, in Exodus chapter 3, when we read Moses' encounter with the burning bush, it's what we're also reading is we're reading the Spirit's invitation to come and see me. We're, we're reading the Spirit's invitation to have an encounter. We're reading the Spirit's invitation to, to walk into thick, dense presence. Receive the call of God. Get purpose and vision for your life. Do something that matters. All of that comes out of the presence of God.
presence of God among us wasn't just here like in the past. I like to tell those stories because those are just some of my favorite ones. If I only tell those stories, then some of you might think, well, that was just the past and God doesn't really show up anymore. That isn't true. Last night, we were, there was about 45 of us here, 40 maybe, I don't know. I don't know how many there were. There were some people here. And uh, worship was so good, and the presence of the Spirit came into the room. And as soon as Justin got up to preach, um, fire, I mean, it felt like fire. My head felt like it was on fire. And as soon as Justin opened his mouth to read the Scripture, both of my ears were just hot as fire. You think, well, what's that about? It's just the Lord saying, Adam, would you please listen to what's about to be said? We need presence. We, we can't be a church that just settles for spiritual principles. So that's one of the deals that's, that's so goofed up in the church is we've, we value principles over presence. I'm telling you, principles flow out of presence. And if you don't have presence, forget the principles. Go back and find the presence. God's a person. He's not a math formula. I don't relate to my wife off of principles. I tried that once. It doesn't work. We, re- we, re- we relate to one another by, by contact, by encounter, by, by presence. And when my wife is in the house, I know it even if she doesn't speak a word. I know, I know how many kids are in my house without ever seeing them. You can tell by the volume. <laughs> if I take a shower in the morning and no one busts in the shower to show me what they're wearing or to tell me how many points Terrence Jones scored last night, then I know that my family is gone. <laughs> it's the same thing with the Lord. We need encounter. We weren't meant to live reading the book apart from an encounter with his presence. Okay, let's look at a couple verses because I just I really just want to say a couple more things and then be done. <clears throat> let's look at verse 15, okay? I want to set this up really quickly just so that I'm not giving you whiplash. This is Exodus chapter 13, 33, verse 15. This is, this, here's what's happened. In Exodus chapter 40, 14, 40. In Exodus chapter 14, God led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 15, all their enemies have been utterly destroyed in the water and they break out in a worship song. All right? For the next few chapters, they're beginning to, to take out and hike through the desert. World's longest camping trip. And then by the time we get to Exodus chapter 33... Uh, some major stuff has gone wrong. Uh, specifically in Exodus chapter 32, uh, Moses is up on the mountain and he's having an encounter with the Lord and he's receiving uh, some more instruction from the Lord. And while he's up there, he's up there for a while and the people are like, dude, Moses isn't going to come back. Aaron, you should definitely make for us some gods so that we can worship them and they'll lead us. And so in Exodus chapter 32, which is utterly mind-boggling, people who have walked through an ocean and seeing their enemies destroyed in Exodus chapter 32, decided it would be a good idea to make a golden calf and worship it. Moses comes back down. God is really angry. He says, I'm not going to go with you people anymore. I'm not going to walk with you people. I've been with you. I'm not going to walk with you because if I continue to walk with you, I'm probably going to kill you. You're stiff-necked people. That's what he tells them at the beginning of Exodus chapter 33. 
He says, but because I've made a promise to you, because I've made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'll go ahead and make sure that you can have the promised land, but I won't go with you. And so all of Exodus chapter 33 is basically Moses saying, God, you can't not, not go with us. Illegal. You cannot not go with us. And this is what we get. Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me? And how will, how, will your, how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And here's what I want to tell you this morning. This is the question that we have to live with at the vineyard. We're not responsible for anyone else. We're not responsible for any other church. We're not responsible for any other family. But this is the, fa- this is the family question. This is the dynamic that we have to carry around with us all the time. It's, it's very simple. God, you've called us to something. You've made us promises. You've made me individual promises. You've made my family promises. You've made us corporate promises. God, if you don't go with us, then I don't want to go. Because your presence is what distinguishes us. And it's the thing that we have to carry, even right now in this, mor- this morning, we have to begin to ask ourselves, what distinguishes me from all the other people on the face of the earth? I want to tell you right now, Vineyard, it has to be the presence of God. That's our number one value. The thing, my heart's desire is this, is that people, when they, in, when they meet us, they would say, they can say anything. They can say we're weird. They can say this. They can say that. But my heart's desire is that they would say we're their presence people. When I get around them, something happens. When I feel, I feel the love of God around them. I feel the weight of His glory. I feel His goodness. I don't feel condemned. I feel, I feel set free. And my, my prayer is that when people walk through the back door, when they put their hands on the, on the, the doorknob to come in, I, my prayer is that people realize what they're doing is they're actually beginning to take their whole future into their hands. And they have, to care, they have to carefully consider what they're about to do because they're going to encounter God on the inside. Because it, we, we have to be the kind of people who get our shape, who get our form, and who are, get our, our dimension from the presence of God. Verse 15, Moses says, if your presence don't go, does not go with us, then don't send us up... For, from here. Can I tell you, the presence of God is for the journey. The presence of God is for the journey. He's, he's made promises to every single person in this room. He's made corporate promises to our church. He's made corporate promises to us as individuals. He's made corporate promises to the church. And I want to tell you, the presence of God is for the journey. You know what that tells me? There's joy in the journey. We can enjoy the process you know, the process isn't just meant to be a grind. It isn't just meant to be desert wanderings. I can handle the desert if God is with me. Jesus said this, and I, I found it to be more true the older I get. In this life, you will have trouble. Guaranteed. John chapter 15, this was one that rocked my world about two years ago. Jesus says, if you bear fruit, my Father's going to prune you. And if you don't bear fruit, my Father's going to prune you. You can, you can go read it. Every branch that does not bear fruit gets pruned. Every, every branch that bears fruit gets pruned so that it will be more fruitful. What's he saying? Everybody gets cut. Everybody gets whacked. John chapter 15. Right there at the beginning. If you're sitting here this morning you're breathing, you're going to get whacked. Life's hard. There's, no, there's not an easy way out for anyone. But if your presence goes with me, I'll go. 
I'll go to the, you know, if you're taking me to the desert, if you're with me, that's good enough. Whack me. If you're standing beside me, it's okay. Prune me. Cut off every dead branch in my life, God. If your presence is near me, it's okay. God, in the areas where I'm, I'm fruitful and I'm beginning to be a prideful, arrogant person, prune me. Because if your presence is near me, it's okay. Moses goes on to say in verse 16, he says, How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the earth? You know, there's a lot of things that distinguish people. There's a lot of things that distinguish people groups. You know, where people are from, that distinguishes you. Your race and your ethnicity, your mom and your dad. All of these things build into our lives. They mark our lives. Our pain, our wounds. A lot, of, a lot of us are just literally walking around with giant gaping holes from 10 years ago. And it's becoming the defining moment of our entire life. That's not okay. The only thing that's okay in life is when the presence of God, my encounter with Him, marks me and distinguishes me. What 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 distinguishes U of L fans? What are the distinguishing marks of a U of L fan? Where are you at, Peter? All right, let me, I want to I want I want I want to say this to you. What distinguishes U of L fans? Well, they, they wear red, right? And um, they hire UK's leftover coaches. <laughs> and they always lie. <laughs> I, I'm just joking. Sometimes they don't wear red. <laughs> I love you, Peter. You're my favorite. I'm just being silly. Yeah, um, being around God shapes us and it brings a certain kind of order to our life. When, when we get around God, we get, we get marked by Him. You guys remember Jacob? Jacob wrestles with God, wrestles with the angel. How many of you realize that's a presence encounter? For the rest of Jacob's life, God touched him and Jacob never walked the same. Not only that, God changed his name. He says, you're no longer Jacob, but you're Israel. You know, we need to be the kind of people who encounter God and it causes us to walk different. Every time we encounter God, we have, the, we have the opportunity to be changed on the inside so that we can walk different. Not only that, but every time we meet God, when we encounter His presence, we have the opportunity for Him to put His identity on us and not the one that's been thrown upon us by pain and wounds and life and hard times. You know, some people in the room, what we really need is we need an encounter of His presence and we need a name change. And I'm not talking about going down to the courthouse and changing your name. I'm talking about an identity move. We get that in the presence of God. That's the only place you can get it. And it shapes us because it's God. Like when we come into the presence of God, we're not coming into a fog. We're not coming into a goosebump rain. We're, we're coming into contact with the God who formed the worlds with the words. Sometimes we lose sight of that. This morning when we were worshiping and it got weird in here, and, and I use weird 
with all the affection that person can use the word weird? I like it when it gets weird in here, personally. Like if church isn't at least a little bit weird, if you don't leave, if you don't leave the vineyard scratching your head and going, what was that, at least twice a month? There's a problem. I, I like it that way. But when we come into his presence, we're not just coming into a cloud. We're not coming into just, you know, wow, that was cool, the music was loud, it was rock. But we're, we're beginning to meet God, and we're meeting the God who formed the universe. Who, who, Colossians says that through Jesus, everything that has been made was made, and he currently holds it all together. That one's been blowing me away lately. Like, if, if Jesus were, were to decide he's tired, then we'd all just disintegrate. We're held together in his goodness right now. We need an encounter with the Lord. Jacob limped, and Moses glowed, and the priest in Solomon's temple fell to the ground. I've hung out with enough of you to know this, that this is not just true for you, but it's true for me. I know that a lot of us in the room have been shaped and formed and marked by every other thing in the world. We've been, we've been shaped by our addictions. We, you know, some of us have been utterly, at this point, the only word is abused. We've just been abused by our addictions. You know, we invited what we thought was a friend in and it turned out to be the devil. And, you know, our drug addictions and our sexual hang-ups, you know, they're no longer things that we can control. And now we're, we're just beginning to do their, their bidding and all of our life's energies go into managing that thing. <clears throat> Some of us have really crappy relationships with people that should be great relationships. And it's morphed into something that consumes all of our heart's energies. That's, that's, called, that's called being marked in a really negative sort of way. We, we need to be marked. We need to receive the marks that come from his presence. I, this is what blows me away. It says that Moses would go into the tent of meeting and meet with the Lord, and when he came back out, he glowed. And he glowed so much that he had to wear a veil over his face because everyone freaked out. Now, if you really want to take it up the next level, you need to open up your Bible sometime this week, and I want you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay? Because here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, If the old covenant, which brought death, had glory, so much glory that Moses' face would glow and everyone would freak out, how much more does the new covenant offer? Come on. Like, there's a... P. Ray knows this, and my wife knows this, because they're some of my very best friends. I, I, live with a, I live with a great deal of frustration on the inside. And um, it's just something the Lord's taken me through for the past six or eight months. And it, it's the frustration that comes from knowing that people in the Old Testament had it better with God than I do through Jesus' blood right now. And I am utterly dissatisfied i'm dissatisfied that moses in the old covenant could have a more face-to-face glowing relationship with god than i presently have right now and i'm not angry at god i'm just saying god i want the fullness of your presence in my life i want every single thing that jesus's blood has bought i want it in my life i want to encounter you face to face god you said that the veil's been torn i want to walk through i don't even know where to walk through you show me where to walk through i want to walk through 
I'm so, like, it drives me. There's certain mornings I get up and I'm just... Some of you thought I've been really angry lately. (laughs) Sorry. If I've hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. It hasn't been, it's not, I haven't been angry at people. I've just been like, ah, a frustrated person. God, I want to encounter you. I want your, I want your presence. It's not okay that dudes who didn't have Jesus have made a more face-to-face encounter with you than I have. Take me into your glory. Take me into your throne room, you know? I want to go there. I mean, Revelation chapter 4, it's one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It says that, John says, Behold, I saw a door standing open in heaven. Joe Hurchin and I, we read that one day, and we got really touched by the power of God. We went ahead, we were in this room over here, and uh, we got really filled with the Spirit because of that one verse. And then we decided we would read every chapter in Revelation together in the room in the moment. And so we read them all, and one of the things we found out was that the door never got closed. Take me in, you know? Beam me up. Like, I don't want to leave the planet. I'm here for a purpose. But take me into your throne room. Take me into your presence. Mark me. Give me an Isaiah 6 experience. I want you to put the coal on my lips. I know, I know there are things in my life that need to be burned out. I don't want to, I don't want to keep the things in my life that are hindrances. I don't want those things to keep me from you. Just burn it off. I, I'll take the pain, whatever. Just bring me into your throne room. That's my heart's cry. I mean, like, why do we have the banner? Because that's my heart's cry. I want us to be presence people who say, like, my limitations, my past, my wounds, um, my my sin, nothing is going to keep me from walking into the, the presence of God. Nothing's going to keep me from walking in through the cloud into the throne room and meet him face to face. I want to meet him face to face. Here's the other thing I know. I know God is good and I know he wants to meet me face to face way more than I want to meet him. That troubles some of you. You're like, well, what's the deal? I, I, the truth is, I don't know what the deal is. I think we'll learn together as we begin to value his presence. We need to be marked by his presence. I want to glow. I want to limp. I want to fall down. I want the cloud. I want the glory. I want the weight. I want Jesus. I want to go in the throne room. See, here's the deal. Life is not about getting up and just going to work to make some money to get a bigger house. Life is about getting up, meeting God, having his mark come upon me so that I can go and mark other people. That's what life is about. The meaningful life is meeting with God and setting other people free. The meaningful life is getting set free and going to set someone free. The meaningful life is not accumulation of stuff. Most of us live in the realm of accumulating stuff. Most of us get an education so we can have a job and a comfortable life and I want to go into the throne room. So Moses is praying on behalf of his people. I want to read two really, really disturbing scriptures. Can we go disturbing for a few minutes? It's going to get really whack, okay? I'm sorry. I'm going to read two really disturbing scriptures, and then we're going to come back up for air. See, Moses, is in the, he is in this position of having to say, God, don't leave us, because the people did two really stupid things. These are the kind of things that we do. Not just you guys. This is the kind of thing that I do. These are the... Rick Joyner says that there's a 
a ditch on either side of the path of life. Here are the, these are the two ditches, okay? Come out of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, 18 and 19, um, Moses had just received the Ten Commandments, and there was, there was fire, and there was thunder, and there was rumblings on the mountain, and he went up to meet them. And this is what, this is what it says in, in Exodus chapter 20, 18 and 19. This is what the people... It says, When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear, and they stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. That's a problem. We can never be those people who are satisfied with a mediator. We can never be those people who say, you know, the presence of God is just too weird, it's too freaky, it's too scary. I'm not going in there. Just have someone else tell me what's on the inside and send me the word out. I'll be satisfied. We can't do that. So there's one, on, on the path of life, on, on one side, there's a ditch that comes from encounter, and it's the ditch that causes people to back up from God because he came near. God says, I want to come near. And when he does, some of us get freaked out. We can't be those people who freak out. We just got to say, you know, I know that I've got some stuff that isn't probably going to fly real great in your presence, but just come on in. Then in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, this is, this is when they're making new plans. and Moses is up on the mountain. 32.1 says, When the people saw Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Hey, Aaron, come and make us gods who will go before us. So ridiculous. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what, he has, we don't know what has happened to him. And so there's this, the other side of the ditch is, there's this response that comes from lack of presence. There isn't any presence. Quick, someone. See, that's what I was talking about earlier. In, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a realm where there's a lack of presence, we're just left with our best ideas. Do you realize how foolish this idea was? These are the people who walked through the ocean, who saw the ten plagues fall upon everyone except for them in Goshen. These are the people who had a cloud by day and a fire by night lead them through the desert. And they said, Moses is gone. The presence is gone. Aaron, make us some gold calf so we can worship it and it will lead us. Can't be that kind of person. There's two tendencies when it comes to the, to the presence of God. When we have a dramatic encounter, we have a tendency to freak out when God comes close and then take steps to put distance between us and God. We'd much rather deal with a person than God. Then the other tendency is to, so when we lack his presence is we freak out and we fashion gods with our own hands, little security blankets. They look good, but they keep no one warm. But we're not those people. We're people like Moses, and we must cling to his manifest presence among us. It's our most valued treasure why is it so important to be marked why is it so important to be distinguished well for Moses he realized that it's the only thing that made a difference in his life you realize that Moses was a goat herder he was a stuttering goat herder he was 80 years old stuttering goat herder couldn't talk he had an encounter with the Lord he becomes a liberator for two million people out of the strongest government and the most powerful military in that day. A stuttering goat herder went to the most powerful man on the planet and said, let all of my people go, and he did. That comes from encounter. Moses, Moses had, had experienced 
what the life of presence was all about. Moses received his call in the presence. He received his promise in the presence. He received his power in the presence. And it's the same for us. When we encounter his presence on Sunday mornings, when we encounter his presence alone in our beds, when we encounter his presence when we're having lunch together, that's where the call comes from. That's where the power comes from. That's where the anointing comes from. That's where the direction comes from. Like, you, you want direction in your life? Just go get around God. You know, especially college people are like, dude, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm, I'm going to graduate in May. I've spent $40,000. I don't know what I want to do. My dad's freaking out. My mom's freaking out. What am I going to do? Well, number one, go get a job and get in the presence. Neither one will hurt you. God, God leads us. Like we want to be led, we got to get in the we got to get in the presence of God. And just so I can be clear, you can actually get in the presence of God while you're at work. Some people are like, "Dude, I'm going to go not work so I can get in the presence." That's a lie. Just just go to work. All right. All right. I want to. I just want to read one more scripture to you. Actually, I don't. We're done. There, there are shouts of, there are claps of joy from the left hand side. <clears throat> claps of joy when the preacher's done. <clears throat> Why don't we stand up this morning? If you're on the ministry team, come on forward.